You're listening to the Mental Health Download Podcast from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Clayton Shirello, a Bank of America intern. Our guest is Claire Grace, a college student at the University of Oklahoma. Claire is a Diana Award recipient, an award presented in memory of Princess Diana. Claire's award was given for her community service and her advocacy for inclusion, compassion, through a public speaking initiative she has delivered to over 6,500 people. This past year, she has worked alongside Representative Tolly at the Oklahoma House of Representatives to create legislation on social emotional learning. Claire just completed a two-year reign as Miss Oklahoma's Outstanding Teen, where she furthered her advocacy in schools and organizations and raised money for her nonprofit, Show Compassion Foundation, and Special Olympics. She also just finished her first year at OU, where she was one of 15 President's Outstanding Freshman Recipients and a Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advocacy Award winner. You can learn more about her and her nonprofit at www.clairegrace.com. In addition to serving as Mental Health Download guest host today, I am also a Bank of America student leader spending the summer working for Mental Health Association Oklahoma. Before we get to our interview, I want to point out that for the past several years now, Bank of America has selected four Tulsa and Oklahoma City high school students to take part in their student leaders program. This year, the program is focused on civic engagement, mentorship, leadership skills, and building financial know-how. As a part of Bank of America's commitment to responsible growth, they're helping connect a diverse group of individuals to jobs through a number of partnerships and programs, including a focus on early employment for youth and young adults. They're doing this because Bank of America recognizes that early employment leads to success later in life. These past weeks, the other student leaders and I have been introduced into the nonprofit and mental health field. To do that, we have shouted a variety of departments within the association and have been working on special projects like this podcast. And for me, one of the main takeaways I've had is really the work that they do for the homeless community in the state of Oklahoma and the resources that we provide for these people and the help that we give them because it's so important to take care of those people because they are just people and they have needs like the rest of us. And that's been really impactful for me. And so with that being said, let's get the conversation started. The mental health download starts now. So first Claire, and we're so glad to have you here as our guest today. I know you've had an incredible year. So I'd want you to tell us a little bit about your work at the Capitol and as your work as an advocate for inclusion. So I work at the Capitol started with my work for compassion and inclusion. So essentially I started back when I was in ninth grade because my sister has a one of a kind chromosomal arrangement resulting in her having special needs. She's actually the only one in the entire world with her specific arrangement. So she's older than me. So from a young age, I really saw how people would treat her differently. So I wanted to start advocating for inclusion and that started when I was in ninth grade. And then that has taken me in a lot of different directions. I realized that my message of see, stop, start, see people as people first, stop using uh, negative thoughts and words and start positive interaction with those who are different than yourself was not only applicable for those with special needs, but really anybody who's different than you in any way, be it race, religion, socioeconomic status, any of those varying things. So with that, I started speaking to schools and organizations about those steps and how globally applicable they are. And that's when I realized that the most 
important time frame to start talking to people about this is when they're so malleable in their youth and elementary schools. So I started researching whenever I started creating my curriculum, my C Stop Start curriculum about social emotional learning. And I realized how many anti-bullying messages we have, but not a lot of proactive compassion and inclusion. So with that, I reached out to my representative, Representative Tally, and asked him what we're doing in Oklahoma for that. And it turns out there's 23 states that have some form of social emotional learning, either in standards or legislation or competencies, but Oklahoma is not one of them. So I asked if I could create some legislation with him and he said yes, and the rest is history. Awesome. That's great. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that C Stop Start because that sounds like a really cool initiative you've started. So you can talk about how that started and really what that means in the training that it goes through. Essentially, my thought process was it's going to be similar to stop, drop and roll. Everybody knows what stop, drop and roll is to fire safety. So if we can come up with three comprehensive, proactive steps for compassion and inclusion that people can easily remember, that's going to help with this conversation on compassion and inclusion and helping students be more cognizant of the way they're treating others. So what was the most memorable part of this experience for you? I would say of working at the Capitol, just seeing Representative Tally in action, it's so easy to get kind of caught up in, in the bad rep that our um, representatives and senators have just with, with everything being so political, but he really is so invested in his community and helping those people. So it's just really refreshing to see the good that people like him are doing. Yeah, for sure. They're all just people and they really do want to see an impact in our communities. And we got to remember that. And they do want to hear from us, which is very important. Exactly. Yes. And so what was the most meaningful part of this journey for you? I know that might be kind of similar. <laughs> well, with my bill, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later, the support of the House Common Education Committee, it passed the Common Education Committee in the House unanimously, and they were just so, so kind and helpful and supportive, and that really meant the world to me. Yeah, and I know Representative Tolley speaks amazing of you. He says you're one of the smartest people he's ever had the pleasure of meeting, and so you were very highly thought of at the Capitol. He's sweet. <laughs> yes, he's a great guy. So I know you've also had considerable amount of time in your volunteer work in the Oklahoma classrooms. What can you share from your time and perspective on education in Oklahoma? Honestly, Oklahoma teachers are a different breed. Obviously, as we've seen in the past few years, Oklahoma teachers have had to fight for what they have. They don't necessarily get the best pay and the best resources. But through every classroom that I've spoken to in my time in the Oklahoma public school system, the teachers really pour into their students and it's not about the money. It's not about the resources for them. It's truly about caring for the students. And this kind of goes a little bit onto that talking about Senate bill 21, which mandates suicide awareness training for teachers and allows schools the ability to train students in grades seven through 12 for suicide awareness. This is a huge effort to support mental health issues in our schools. So are you aware of any materials or programs that are ready to be utilized in our Oklahoma classrooms for this training? Yes, on the Oklahoma State Department of Education website, they do have some resources. A lot of the resources are geared toward the training for the teachers and administration, but 
when it comes to the, the optional training for students in grades seven through 12 on suicide awareness, they have a couple of resources, but I think those are pretty much out of date. Like if you click on the website, you can't find them. So they do need to look at that and update that, especially if this is now going to be something that is really prevalent within our schools. Right. And would you like to see that training mandated to where it is required? Or do you think it's good where it's an option for the schools? It's kind of the same thing with social emotional learning and mandating that. Whenever you mandate something, people are going to look at it differently. Teachers might view it more as a burden than something that they get the option to do. So I don't think it should be mandated, but I do think that community leaders and families and everybody within their individual school districts should push to have that training within their schools. Yeah, I completely agree because that training can be vital to students and making sure that they maintain good mental health. Oh, absolutely. So as students, I know we're both committed to helping other students on campuses that may be dealing with mental health issues. What do you think are some helpful ideas for how students may help others plug in and get help on a campus? Honestly, just share your individual stories. So many people struggle with mental health issues and mental illness, but there's such a large stigma surrounding it that no one ever talks about it. So the most important thing people can do is just open up and discuss it so other people feel like they can talk about it and can go get the help that they need. And so they don't feel like they're trapped and they can't reach out to anyone. I know I was talking with a group of friends and we somehow got onto the topic of mental illnesses. And so many of us have struggled with it, but we just never talk about it. Myself included, who I've struggled with anxiety and depression, but nobody ever talks about it. So by sharing your story, that's how you can prompt other students to go get the help that they need. Yeah, I think that's really a great point that we need to end the stigma and have those conversations with each other in our individual groups. And so do you know of any resources that the University of Oklahoma has for mental health? Our counseling office is really wonderful. They help out a lot. And I know that whenever you enter a new place, obviously there's going to be a lot of different things going on and it's a little bit overwhelming. And so I think that they do provide good resources when you're going in to say, hey, here's what we have going on um, and here's how we can help you. Yeah. And so what are some things that you do for self-care to kind of make sure you're making sure your mental health is there as a priority and keeping yourself sane in a sense? Yeah, it's rough as a college student and being very involved with a bunch of different things. I honestly neglect myself a lot of the time because I'm so go, go, go. But I realize that if I don't set aside self-care time, it's really going to negatively impact my mental health. So I do a lot of gratitude meditation that can basically override any kind of threat that the amygdala has and instantly make you feel better. So I do a lot of gratitude meditation, also core work like abs. You wouldn't think, <laughs> think of it that way, but the muscles in your abs actually indirectly connect with, with your brain and in, not instantly, but can help you feel better over time. Also walks outside, which is kind of, you kind of have to do them as a college student when you're walking to class, but a 20 minute walk outside five times a week is actually as effective as a low grade antidepressant. So just different things like that can really keep you on top of your mental health. So could you talk a little bit about what gratitude meditation is and what that looks like? It's, it's as simple as it sounds like you'd think that for it to have such a positive effect, it must be so complicated, but it's really not. So I just go through and list every single thing I'm grateful for. So from family to friends, to my dog, to the outside, I've gone so far down the list before that we've gotten to 
like the post office and, and like the postal <laughs> services, um, Amazon Prime, all of that. So you really just go through every single thing that you're grateful for. Um, it might be little tiny things, but every single thing that impacts your life. I know how important positive self-talk can be mm -hmm. for your mental health. And so that's really a key takeaway. And also I will attest working out is a great self-care method. Every time I'm stressed, I go grab a basketball, dribble some of that, and it just feels great and relieves a lot of stress for me. For sure. And so kind of bouncing a little bit off of that with your busy schedule, how do you kind of find a school work-life balance? Because you've got a lot going on. <laughs> I, I'm not the best at it, but I think it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, where you have to recognize if you don't prioritize yourself, your mental health is going to suffer. So for me, it's just keeping myself in check to where I know I can't do all the things that I'm doing if I don't put myself first. Yeah, for sure. And I think putting yourself first is always something to maintain. And also keeping a calendar, I've heard from a lot of people, mm -hmm. is really vital. And I've started that this summer, and it's really helped me. It's been a great resource. Google Calendar highly recommend it. And so next up, what are some exciting things happening on college campuses that students and parents can look forward to as students begin college? And what has been your experience as an Oklahoma college student? I just think it's the amount of clubs and organizations that you can find on campus that fit every single interest. So with that, that's going to be where you find your people and you just kind of have to jump into that. And as an Oklahoma college student, my biggest support system has been those clubs and organizations, the people that I meet within them that have similar interests. That's been my favorite part of college by far. Yeah, for sure. And how did you decide to stay in-state rather than going out of state somewhere? Well, OU gave me a lot of money, so that <laughs> was very helpful in making that decision. But at the same time, I'm planning on going to law school, and so I knew I'd rather spend less on undergrad and then more on my graduate degree. Yeah, for sure. And so what would you say is your best advice for a high school senior getting ready to go into college? Get involved. I know it seems so, so, so overwhelming whenever you first get into college and there's so many people, but I can kind of attest. I was I've always been very involved, but with COVID, my first semester, it was very difficult and my mental health did, did take a little bit of a hit for that. So make sure you get involved, join those clubs, reach out to those around you. Everyone else is in the exact same boat you are. So don't keep to yourself, reach out to others. Yeah, and COVID definitely has had an impact on everybody's lives in every facet. It has been a struggle, but I think we're getting to the end of that. And so I think things are gonna start returning to normal and so I would agree, get involved, get involved in your community and be that change you want to see. And so we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit here and talk about you as an advocate and a student for inclusion. So what are some positive steps for inclusion that may still be needed in our classrooms? And how can we get involved and help others spread your vision for inclusion to educators and administrators? I think social emotional learning is really needed right now. There are so many retroactive steps that people can take for anti-bullying, but that's not going to help the forefront of our issues if we're trying to deal with it retroactively. We have to be proactive. So social and emotional learning really just teaches students how to be compassionate, inclusive, respect-driven individuals who can acknowledge the differences with other people, but acknowledge that differences are what make us unique and what makes life interesting. 
So with that, we do need a lot more of that in our school system. And so it's really just advocating for, for that, for those programs, for that curriculum, because that's when we don't have to deal with retroactive solutions. We can be proactive with it. And in the end, that will really help students' mental health because we're going to see less bullying, which is such a cause in mental health issues and anguish. And we're going to see more respectful individuals as they come up into society later. We're in such a compassion crisis right now with the state of our nation. Everyone's very divided. So if we can just teach people how to see others as people first, stop using negative terms and thoughts and words, and just start small positive interaction, even if it's just a smile or a wave or small talk, that's when we're going to see a more inclusive and compassionate nation. I love that. That's amazing. I think just having those conversations and knowing we're all people is so key in getting those disagreements that we have nowadays with everything being so divided. That is great advice. And so let's kind of talk about your bill, House Bill 2388. So just talk about that and the impact it would have on Oklahoma students. So House Bill 2388 unfortunately did not get past the Senate. It didn't, it didn't die. It just wasn't heard. So it will be able to be heard again in the future, which is wonderful. But essentially that bill would not mandate, like we talked about with the suicide prevention and training bill, it would not necessarily mandate that curriculum, but it would encourage that. Whereas 23 other states have some kind of competency standards or legislation, this would bring us up to speed on that and hopefully encourage schools to do that. Because essentially it would be the House and the Senate saying, we strongly encourage that you do this, this is needed. And the State Department of Education is also working on competencies right now, they're not quite done with them. So essentially it would work hand in hand with them to say, we support this, this needs to be done. I know we're not mandating it and they're not mandating it, but as two important state agencies, y'all need to do this. And I do think it is very vital for our youth to make sure that they are having those safe conversations and they can feel included today. Mm-hmm. And so are there any other steps the Oklahoma legislature can take to ensure our students are getting the best education possible while we still care for their mental health? Honestly, put their differences aside. In a lot of ways, our legislature is not only divided with the House and Senate through political affiliation, like, like at Republican and Democrat, but also by their affiliation of House and Senate, which is something that I didn't really know going into my internship. You'd think that they they all work for the people, they would be working together, but there's a little bit of a rivalry. So they need to put down political affiliation and whether they're the House and the Senate and just work together because the students and constituents need to be our priority. And I think that's the biggest step that they can take right now is putting those differences aside so they can put our students first. Yeah, for sure. And I'd also say a big division is also rural versus urban. That was another divide I had in my experience viewing is how those urban legislatures really have a different view than those rural ones and the goals that they have and what they want to see done in our state. But in the end of the day, they've had great conversations together. They told us all of them, no matter where they're from, always are friends and they always get along. Even after a hot debate on the floor, they're still just people (laughs) and they get along fine. And so it's really fun to see And it's really something you don't hear a lot about on the news, which I think we need to spread more, is that they all get along and they're all people and that we need to really make sure we're staying involved at the local level. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And so just kind of a wrap up, what are some next steps for you? Like what's going to happen next? What's your future goals and all that sort of stuff? 
Well, now that COVID is kind of dying out, hopefully just a little bit, I can get back into schools. I've spoken to over 6,500 students so far. My goal is by the end of this school year to speak to another 3,500 to make it 10,000. If I could speak to more, that would be wonderful. I've created a flyer that I'm going to send out to schools across the state because I really think that this message is vital. So that's a big goal. I'm also developing the curriculum even more. The curriculum is, it's been done. I've been um, like certified in research. So now I can conduct the research. So it's really a matter of now, once again, getting into schools post COVID and being able to establish pilot programs to test the effectiveness of my curriculum, which would be a type of curriculum that people would use for social emotional learning. So it's just a matter of getting into schools really at this point. Awesome. And do you have any tips for students wanting to get involved with their local governments? Just reach out to your representatives and to your senators. They work for you. You, They work for you. And it's really important that you realize that and not be afraid of them. They do hold a very high position, but at the same time, they're people too. And they want to help you. They want to make a difference in their community and they need other people's ideas to help them make that difference. I love that. And do you have any last tips for getting involved in just your own community? Find what you're passionate about and then chase after that. Um, For instance, I love music. I love musical theater. And so whenever I go and speak in schools, I incorporate a little musical theater song and relate it back to compassion and inclusion. And then obviously I'm really passionate about that in general, just because of my sister and growing up around people with different abilities. So find social causes that you're passionate about, find activities and interests that you're passionate about and how you can work them into making progress on those social causes and it'll never feel like you're working or doing something labor intensive because you'll just be having fun and seeing that impact.